Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common. Go head-to-head to see which one does it better. And welcome to part two of this week's Clash Potters in Control. So on Monday, it wasn't Miami, it was his Amy, as Tony Montana momentarily owned that city in Scarface. Which means today, we're going a different way as Pacino is back, but this time as Carlito Briganti, trying to go straight, just not very well. From 1993, we're talking Carlito's way. Court of Appeals decision. Now devolve upon me the painful duty of unleashing upon society a reputed assassin. The prisoner's discharge, call the next case. You Carlito Brigante, man. You a legend. He's one of us. Puts money in everybody's pocket big time. He was big. Just a tough guy. Maybe you don't remember me. My name is... Maybe I don't remember the last time I blew my nose. If I ever see you here again, you die. Did you ever kill anybody, Charlie? Guys went down. Yeah. You just do what you gotta do to survive. We'll have a winner at the end of the show, but which film will it be? Scarface or Carlito's Way? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Clash Potters in control. the Kraken. Hello, Clash Potters. There ain't no friends in this shit business. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. How are you both? Good? Yeah. Excellent. 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 Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Good week. Good week. Well done. Well done. It's Do been wanna... a really fun week, actually. So far. I mean, we're 50% of the way through. No, but I have seen the film, so I know I enjoyed watching <laughs> oh, right. it. Oh, right. Okay. Do you see what I mean? Okay. You mean the suggestions? I don't mean the show. I mean <laughs> the stuff that I did to prepare for the show. Guys, there was an early review. If that was a review, it's a great, great week. <laughs> no, because I was a bit worried about it. Because, you know, I was really whingy about the runtime. And it was. It has just been the most fun. The most fun? Really the most fun. Wow. It's <laughs> yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, I've just really enjoyed Al Pacino this week I really have I will say that I've enjoyed watching these movies because you know I've said it on the Goodfellas episode I do not like gangster movies no. I never like gangster movies as a genre so I was quite surprised that I enjoyed both of these films yeah. more than I thought and I do think come the verdict at the end of this show I don't want to jump the gun but I think it's quite a close one mm-hmm. a quite a close one this week would you concur Chris yes 
great. <laughs> Move it on. Right, okay. Sorry, Chris. Yeah. Uh, right, Clash Brothers in Control this week continues with Scarface versus Carlitos Way. Do you want to quickly remind us who picked these movies? Anthony Rose and Ewan Stoves. And that rhymes. <laughs> Thank you guys for rhyming as well. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks, Ewan. Still time to email us if you have a suggestion for Clash Brothers in Control or Fan Jan or Fanuary or February Fanny, which is coming up soon. <laughs> uh, show at ClashPod.com telling us the movies you want clashed, why you want them clashed and what connects them. Also, very quickly, if you haven't subscribed to us, if you'd be kind enough to do that, that would be amazing. Uh, wherever you get your pods, Apple, Spotify or other and if you could leave us a rating and review we'd be very grateful and if you do leave us a review it might get read out on the show by Chris Tilly aka Chris Thrilly it sounds a bit like this this is from Working Man Steve who says starting my new job I felt I needed something to help pass the long boring hours I discovered an American podcast about movies that I found quite entertaining but after a while I stumbled onto this little gem 100% more entertaining than the American one with better stories more knowledgeable hosts and enough impressions to keep everyone entertained <laughs> the only problem I have is that I've nearly finished all the previous episodes so I'm now anxiously waiting for Mondays and Thursdays to come round keep it up guys and thanks for making work a bit more enjoyable five stars oh, what was his name Working Man Working Man Steve Working Man Steve and I only read all that out because he didn't name the American podcast because we're not those kind of people but but was it uh... <laughs> I'm glad you like the impressions working man Steve that's him doing De Niro <laughs> that was Arnie <laughs> right then on Monday Victoria showed us her little friend who wasn't Chris Tilly which means today I'm going to take you my own way go my own way except it's not my way it's Carlito's way let me take you on a journey it's 1975, and Carlito Brigante is a reputed assassin and drug dealer who has just been freed from a 30-year prison sentence after just five years, thanks to the sterling work of Sean Penn's hair. But he ain't going back to his life of crime. He wants out and to buy into the sexy world of the car rental business. But he ain't gonna make it, and that's going to hurt. Because as he collects the 75 grand, he needs to begin his new Enterprise, he slowly finds himself being dragged into a world of ne'er-do-wells, largely due to Sean Penn's coked-up hair. Even the advice of a ballet-dancing stripper can't help. <laughs> and sure enough, as if train stations weren't already scary in real life, he meets his end at the hands of a man whose name takes a long time to say, <laughs> Benny Blanco from the Bronx. And Carlito's dream of running a car rental business is Avis orated. <laughs> Oh, finally. <laughs> the, good, the, two, the two rubbish yeah. ones, they were builders. Yeah, they were yeah, building Very blocks. Building blocks. So, um, Carlita's Way. Chris, when did you see it? What's your history? Saw it when it came out at the cinema with the mates and very much enjoyed it. But I haven't desired to see it since. I haven't gone back to it in the intervening years. But yeah, it was a good night out. Mm. Okay, Vicky. <gasps> I'd never seen it. Whoa, first Whoa. watch. Yeah, and it isn't what I thought. It's not at all what I thought. And mm. it's so much more ridiculously brilliant than I thought it was going to be. It's been such a treat. 
it's a silly film. Mm -hmm. Scarface is a silly film, so that's good. I just thought it was going to be much grittier and grimier and just a bit... Like, I'm not mad about gang. I mean, I love Goodfellas so much. It doesn't even really feel like a gangster movie for no. large portions of it. It's so much fun. Mm. I'm so glad I, I, when I would watch it again. It's, I have a different feeling for it than for Scarface, but it was just... It was hilarious. So I'd seen it once, about 14 years old, I think shortly after it came out, but when it hit video, I didn't go to the cinema with my mates to see it. I watched it on my own. Um, I didn't remember a lot about it going into it this time other than the famous ending, um, which obviously I knew, and I really upset me as a kid. I uh, found it very tragic, very sad, made me cry a little bit, even as a child. Um, and the other thing that I remembered was really struggling to get to grips with Al Pacino as the hero, the protagonist of this. And I think I've mentioned this before on the pod because he had a beard. <laughs> Genuinely, as a teenager, all my heroes were clean shaven or maybe a bit of stubble. Han Solo, Indiana Jones, all the Arnie movies never had a beard. And so watching this, I was like... I found it weird that he was the guy I was rooting for because of the beard. What a strange child you were. Yeah, very odd. <laughs> I remember turning off King Solomon's Minds because Richard Chamberlain had a beard and I could not accept he was the hero. <laughs> uh, there were other reasons why I switched it off largely because it's shit, but <laughs> the beard was the first reason. And yet you have a beard now. And you even texted us the other day to say you were going to have a goatee. Mm. Oh yeah, you haven't done that. Well, it is kind of. Are you going to shave the now sides? No, that's a bit. No, because yeah. these bits, I've just kept the stubble at the sides. But this is obviously, the, the, the goatee area is obviously a lot longer than these sides. It is, isn't it? Yeah. I don't stare at your face very often. Let me look. Nah, you've got to shave the sides yeah, bit to I'm be not, a goatee. I'm not convinced. Yeah. I, I was looking at some pictures, I probably shouldn't say this, of Johnny Depp um, back <laughs> oh, in the dear. day. And he has a little goatee on his chin and a little bit of a moustache. And mm. I was like, well, obviously I look a lot like him anyway. So <laughs> Might as well just seal the deal. <laughs> Should I do that? <laughs> I'm going to be literally the spitting image of Johnny Depp. <laughs> Rob, you do, but you don't, well, you don't like be. a spitting image puppet. <laughs> so, would you like to know a bit about this movie? Mm. So, Pacino first heard about the character Carlito Brigante in a YMCA gym in New York in 1973, uh, where he was working out for the movie Serpico. And he met New York State Supreme Court Judge Edwin Torres, who was at the time writing the novels for Carlito's Way and After Hours, the two books that this film is based on. I don't know what's weirder about that sentence. What a coincidence it was that they should meet like that in that gym. Well, the fact Al Pacino works out at a YMCA gym, mm. I just find that quite astonishing. And a judge. And a judge, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you'd think Al Pacino especially is like, I'll go to my personal gym. Yeah. My <laughs> private trainer. Yeah. Uh, Not but... a community centre. <laughs> <laughs> just a, a weird image. Nevertheless, that's where they met. Um, so Edwin Torres, Judge Torres, uh, he wrote these books uh, based on his experience of growing up in the area of Spanish Harlem in New York in the late 40s and 50s and the kind of people he was meeting, the violence between gangs. And uh, unlike his peers, he said, his father kept him on the straight and narrow, which is how he became a lawyer and then a judge. Yeah, he's quite the character, isn't he? Oh my god! Did you watch the behind the scenes documentary? Yeah, yeah. yeah when he's describing like who it's based on, he also sort of looks at the camera and says it's autobiographical as well. And then he sort of does a double take, says the non-criminal stuff. Mm. <laughs> I'm not sure I buy it, Judge. Yeah, he says, Carly, it was based on three people. I won't name them though, because you know. What they did was bad. It's guilty. They're guilty, but I'm not going to name them. He's a real salesman. I can't decide whether I really love him or it's a little bit like he really talks up 
his role in everything. He's like, so many offers for yeah, the, yeah, this. I I, so many. I was batting away producers. He actually says he, when they finally decided that they were going to make it, he said he'd made, he would have made more money just repeatedly selling the options over and over again because mm-hmm. he sold them so many times before it actually saw the light of day. So before he actually wrote the novels, which is quite interesting, he envisioned this as a film. So he basically wrote up all these accounts from his childhood and put together a pitch pack, really, and sent it out there. And it was the head of Warner Books who'd got hold of it and went, these will be great novels. So before you think about just making a movie out of them, make them into novels first, which then got picked up as a film. Uh, One small hiccup before the movie got underway was that Al Pacino was uh, sued for $6 million by a former producer called Elliot Kastner, uh, who says Pacino had gone back on an agreement to star in his version of Carlito's Way, which would have had Marlon Brando as Kleinfeld. Whoa. Mm. Okay. Cannot see it whatsoever. No. You know, when you just hear something, I just, I can never visualise that. Partly because Sean Penn's so good, but also (laughs) Marlon Brando in that role. He could do anything, though, Brando. When he tried. Yeah, this was 1993, though. He was... Um... Oh, I thought this was about 10 years before. Oh, yeah, sorry. It would have been, this yeah. Is, this is a little... Yeah, of course. Before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah, maybe. So it was written by a pair of writers called uh, Leon Ichasso and Jesse Graham, which took me a while to find out. Um, basically, Pacino takes this script that they wrote to Martin Bregman, his manager, former manager... Producer of Scarface, Sea of Love, Dog Day Afternoon, Serpico. And he goes, I want to make Carlito's Way. This is the script I've got. Uh, Martin Bregman, and I'm quoting here, says, it was one of the worst scripts I'd ever read, and I've read some real turkeys. In my opinion, I wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. But Pagino loves the character, and so Bregman goes, all right, let's do this. Gets uh, David Kep on board to write it, who was, I didn't realise this. So in 1993, David Kep was mm. already coming off the double whammy mm. of Death Becomes Her. And Jurassic Park. It's surprising, isn't it? Crazy. Yeah. And he was already a big deal. He'd go on to be bigger. Panic Room uh, was the only... I was looking for a figure that he got paid for a script. Yeah. Panic Room, he got $4 million in 2002. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I some of this script is... I knew you'd say that. So I've got... Yeah. I've gone heavy <laughs> on David Kep, particularly for you, because there are Thank some you. things that I know you're going to want to talk about, that he has yeah. explanations for the <laughs> questions I think you're going to ask. Oh, good. Okay. Funny, funny that I thought that as well. <laughs> I spent a lot of time Vicky, with your voice in Vicky, my head. Yep. Vicky. <laughs> yeah, you've been... A lot like she was narrating your thoughts. Yes, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, interesting. And then criticising herself for too much narration <laughs> in <laughs> my thoughts. Foreshadowing <laughs> happening in your brain. <laughs> she was like, she was like, uh, so really going on and on. She was like, sorry, that's way too much. Let me, <laughs> let me pair that back. So uh, he actually got the job, not necessarily because he'd done Death Becomes a Jurassic Park, but because he'd already finished writing the script for Bregman's next movie, The Shadow. Um, oh, right. Yeah, which would obviously go on to star Penelope Ann Miller. Uh, Kep wasn't sure about taking it on because in his own words, Spanish Harlem in the 1970s was not really his background, but he says because the characters were so well drawn in the book and Torres was there to help, he found that all his work was mainly structural in adapting 800 pages into this film. I bring that up because I think it's kind of interesting because you do often hear that thing about, you know, if you're going to write something, should you be writing something from a world you know or could you write anything? And mm. by Kep's example here, which I think is the right example, is you do enough research and you have enough access 
to research, then you can write about anything. I think it's a myth, this idea of write what you know. I think if you're not shouldering someone aside who has that authenticity, then fine. Of mm. course, you should be able to create whatever world you want to create. If the relationship with Judge Torres is, if, if everyone's happy and there's parity and all the rest of it, if you stand on someone's shoulders who does have that right. authenticity, I of think course. there's a bit of a problem. But if you don't, yeah, you're a writer. Yeah, like, if, you, if you can do it, you can do it. And I believe he was available to him to hold the whole time. So he was mm. able to collaborate. And so. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. He had Torres there, which um, I'll bring up later on, proved uh, very useful and uh, <laughs> kept had some changes that he had to make as he was writing this script. Uh, he does talk about, which I know you're going to bring up, he does talk about the use of voiceover in it. And oh, was there voice? I hadn't noticed the voiceover <laughs> in this film. It's barely I'm, there. I'm not going to do it now. I'll bring it up as we get to it. Sure. I, I'm excited to know what you think. Can you not guess? <laughs> I can. So uh, the directors at one stage, listen to this. At uh, one stage, it was going to be the Long Good Friday's John McKenzie. Could have 100% watched that movie. Yep. Even more so, Abel Ferreira, the King of New York, was going to do it. I can also see that movie. Uh, but... In the end, it was Brian De Palma, who was reluctant at first because he didn't want to do another Spanish gangster movie, but then he fell in love with Kep's script. He should have said, I didn't want to do another Spanish gangster movie with an Italian in the lead. <laughs> an Italian bloody American. <laughs> Weirdly, he says he loves making Spanish gangster movies because you have the religion and the family mm. aspects of Italian gangster movies, right. but the music's better. <laughs> and, and, you can get, and you can get great Spanish actors like Viggo Mortensen. <laughs> yeah. It's so easy. It's so easy. The cast. <laughs> uh, he said he enjoyed shooting it it was a lot easier than Scarface um, and he loves working with Al Pacino because he just loves shooting him because of the way Al moves like a snake loves the way he moves shall we go through this movie then mm. yeah I'm excited okay uh, it starts with our hero getting shot and uh, we get a little bit of voiceover. Just a little bit. <laughs> so go on, let's do it now. How do you feel about the voiceover? I hate the voiceover, but it's nothing compared to how much I hated it later. So I'm, my overall, my takeaway mm. is, if you want to top and tail it like this, I that's fine. I mean, it's not fine, but mm. whatever. But bear in mind, I haven't seen this film. So you cold up and is shot. Oh, fuck, have you ruined the ending? Why are you talking so much? And why do we have midpoint voiceover describing to me what I can literally oh see. Oh my God, it's mad some, sometimes, so isn't it? It's mad. That fucked me off because then, then I twigged, sorry to ruin it for everyone, it's, it's your replay and your memories as you pass over kind of thing. Yeah. So it ruined the end for me twice. But if it's, a, it's his story, he's, he's on his way out, fine, top and tail it. But when he's like, here I am. Counting money. It's like, wrote, that's literally what I wrote down. Why is he saying he's counting money that I can see? Yeah, I can see you counting um, money. It, I'm interested to know because I can't remember uh, when the first time I watched it. Um, did you know he was dead from that opening scene, or no. did you think okay, you thought he might survive? I thought he might survive. He's been shot, and he might survive because it's very manipulative. And he's like, "Sorry, boys, I'm not ready." And you think, "Okay, cool, great." Okay. But then once he starts to describe, Don't take me to the hospital room. Yeah, when he starts to describe everything in detail, and here I am, and here I am. Those hallmarks, the here, here I am doing the thing is, oh, it's flashing before your eyes. Okay, but that was later in the movie. Yeah. You thought of that, so and, that, and that's twice. you being quite a sophisticated viewer, I would say. There, so maybe most people wouldn't clock that until the end. I just can't remember when. Whether I knew or not. Yeah. And also, this, I think for, I go on about the Goodfellas voiceover all the time because why does it work? Why is it so fucking good? It's so fucking good because it's cut to music so brilliantly. But also, the stuff that Henry is saying is not just soaked in huge cliche. Like, it's expected ever since I can remember kind of thing. But Al Pacino ends up saying things that David Kep should not have written, such yeah. as, I'm going to follow this path. 
wherever it goes. Do you know what it reminds That's me of? That's not profound. That's And shit. the minute I thought this is the minute I couldn't stop laughing yeah, at the yeah. voiceover. <laughs> it reminds me, both in his delivery, uh, but also in some of the things he says, of Vin Diesel in Fast and the Furious. Yes! It's exactly like a Dominic Toretto voiceover yeah, from like, the Fast and the Furious Incredibly serious, but saying stupid things. And, <laughs> but then once I got into it, it annoyed me being to- telegraphed what I'm seeing, but then once I got into it, I was having a brilliant time. Like, yeah. when he says, when he sees the dance and he goes, Jesus God, she looks like gay. Fucking hell. That's hilarious. Jesus, she looks like gay. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> <Isn't it>? Jesus. <laughs> Looks like hell. Exactly <laughs> it like is. That. Oh, he no. delivers it so slowly as yeah. well, like it's the most important thing ever you've ever. Like worse was to go. Oh, Gail. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the, um, those are all my thoughts. Well, Kep says. Um, first of all, he says that, that this opening scene was originally going to be in a hospital, but Brian De Palma moved it to a train station because it's more romantic. I mean, of the two. It is more romantic. Train stations to me, terrifying places. Yep. The people that you find standing outside train stations, and it's across the world, anywhere in the world, yep. are scary people, full yep. stop. Yeah. So he says everything actually fell into place when he decided to open with Carlito dying and the whole story basically like a flashback taking place in the seconds between he'd been him being shot mm. and then passing away. I think it's really interesting what... Palmer does with the camera here because it starts as a point of view shot where mm. he's sort of looking back down the platform at the people running along beside him and you think oh it's going to sort of remain like that but the camera like twists upwards so it's then facing back down towards him and I was like that's kind of a weird choice and then you realise that it's an out of body experience yeah. you know how people always report about looking down on themselves yeah. when they've come back from nearly dying mm. and I think it's meant to be that and that moment happens doesn't it which I hadn't really clocked it's supposed to be when a, the wheels of his stretcher get caught in a crack in the floor yeah I didn't really pick up on no, that I didn't but that's either. what they say and that's what happens there that's, what, that's why he stops yeah um, like you I, I think it's quite a strange decision to open not just with your hero being shot but then like Chris said, I did, I'm sure as a kid, obviously not this time, think maybe he's going to make it, though. It's like, it's a misdirection. Yeah. They're going to make you think he's dying, but he's going to make it because yeah, yeah. he's the hero. Yes. And it, it sort of, it's a double whammy then when he doesn't at the end. But I think it's quite a strange decision because when heroes get shot in movies, you never see this inevitable aftermath of them being in a vulnerable position, mm. being wheeled along a platform uh, in, by other men in this instance, like helping them out because it's sort of, it's quite an emasculating thing, I think, for our hero to be seen yeah. in this position. And then you realise that that's kind of the whole point, which is here it's making the point of going, yeah, all that grandstanding, all the bravado that comes with that world of crime, mm. eventually you just end up like anyone who's been shot yeah. on a stretch of being wheeled along. Yeah, that's a good point. So it's quite clever. Quite clever. Anyway, we're back now, flashing back to Carlito having his case thrown out thanks to his lawyer, Kleinfeld. Uh, Kleinfeld, wow. Here, Torres says he's a combination of numerous lawyers he met who he'd seen get sucked into this world of bad guys because of the seductive lifestyle women and cocaine, uh, including three that were murdered. So... Uh, Bregman, uh, the producer, Martin Bregman, says the hair was all Sean Penn's It's idea. not. I thought it was all his own hair. No. It's, like it's not. Well, it's his own hair. He perm- he shaved um, the back of his head, the top, and shaved in a receding hairline oh, and nice. then permed his own hair. Wow. But in 2005, Sean Penn sounds like he's distancing himself from the hair. Okay. Yeah, he said, how did I get Sexiest Man Alive on the cover of People magazine? Drops that in Humble there. Humble brag. No one asking. <laughs> 
<laughs> no one asking. Which one she reminds me of? Yeah, when I was voted sexiest woman. Yeah, it's so weird that you say that. I like, yeah. I like the idea of him distancing himself from his hair. <laughs> I did that years ago. <laughs> but he says, how did I get sexiest man alive on the cover of, people, cover of People magazine? I don't know. I still feel bitter about it. I lived with that hair for four months. Four months, baby. <laughs> it's so Sean Penn. <laughs> it was shaved at the back. It was shaved at the sides and permed for four months. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. Poor little lamb. Yeah. So, um, Kleinfeld, uh, what do you think of Sean Penn as Kleinfeld? Uh, I think I'll start. He is fucking phenomenal. Yeah, amazing. Just brilliant. What more of him? What I find weird is that as a kid... And I, you know, as a kid, you don't watch movies for particular performances. It's just someone's in a movie and that's a character in a movie. You watch it for the movie, the story, what's going on, the action a lot of the time. I remember as a kid going, this guy is incredible. Like as a 14-year-old, I think he's brilliant. So he takes Colito out to get pissed and celebrate. Colito says, you saved my life, which in movies like this mean there's going to be a debt to be paid and Colito's not going to want to do it, but he's going to have to do it. So he goes to a, a street party, I think, or maybe that was just Spanish Harlem in 1975. The brilliant Luis Guzman turns up as Pachanga. So uh, David Kep uh, wrote Pachanga's role, um, including a lot of uh, Puerto Rican slang, because mm-hmm. uh, that's what the character would use. And uh, apparently at the read-through, there were a lot of murmurs from uh, the Latino cast going, uh, and they spoke to Martin Bregman, who took him aside and went, Apparently, a lot of what you've written is very offensive oh, no. and doesn't need to be in it. And David Kep was like, yeah, that's because I don't know what it means. <laughs> I told you. And so what he did, which I think is a good tip, he's like, I just wrote it in English and let the actors yes. uh, do it with their character. Yeah. Smart move. Uh, so Colito doesn't recognise these kids on the street anymore because he's been away. He's out of the game. Wants to keep it that way for all of five minutes uh, until his nephew goes, Do you want to come on a fun drug deal? He's like, Yeah, all right, hmm. got some time to kill. Well, no, it's, I get what you're saying, but I think this is a good thing because he's not going to do it. And then he, his, is it his nephew? Yes, yeah, so it is. I thought it was his cousin. I thought it was his cousin. All right, it could be his cousin. Either it way, it's a, it's, it's a, it, it works slightly better if it's cousin because it doesn't seem to care that much when he has his throat slit. Yeah, well, it, he appeals to his vanity. That's what's good about it. So he says, "These guys think you're a legend. You know, why don't you come along?" He's not going to do it. Then that little tickle of his vanity, and he's like, "Oh, do you know what? I will." Mm. But then the fucking voiceover goes, what was I thinking? And it's like, well, yeah, no, obviously. Like, we can see that a drug deal is about to happen. It's a bad idea for you, Carlito, because you're trying to go straight. You, Carlito, don't need to tell me that you thought it was a bad idea. And also, this is one of the greatest actors in the world. It's <laughs> Al Pacino. Yeah. In so many of these voiceover moments, mm-hmm. you go, I mean, he can, ju- and one expression from yep. Al Pacino, Nailed I can it. read that and <laughs> yeah. that will tell me that. What was I thinking? Uh, oh, do God. you recognise the cousin? He was in Steve Jobs. He was the journalist who keeps trying to interview. No, yeah. really? Yeah. He's no, very good in, a nice smile. as Bradley Cooper's brother-in-law in, uh, is it his brother-in-law or his friend in Silver Linings Playbook? Oh, yeah. yeah John Ortiz. He's really good. Yeah. Uh, anyway, his, uh, his cousin, um, uh, is uh, he was if he, if he didn't get killed here he wasn't going to last long uh, mm. in this profession as a drug dealer because you don't deal drugs in a hot rod with flames up the side <laughs> just a rule <laughs> you have a very very plain looking car uh, something inconspicuous like my drive dr- at the speed limit my drug dealer's uh, car is a, a black BMW uh, registration number LB three. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, uh, this is a very good drug deal gone wrong. Super tense. He turns great. into Jason Bourne here, doesn't Thank he? Thank you. Yeah, it's <laughs> fucking awesome. But he's just walked through the barrier and it's like, you are not Colito Brigante. You are Al Pacino in a coat. A hundred percent. There's nothing wrong with that. I am watching a gold-plated movie star walk through the barrier. Absolutely fine. When he's in the pool hall, you're watching a superhero film or mm. you're watching a Bourne film. This man we know nothing about reads the situation and you see he's going to do some cool mm. shit. And Reminds you just wait to see what he's going to do. Exactly like a shot from The Equaliser where he looks around <laughs> the room, checks the position of everyone. It's yeah. like a ticking clock and he's like, cue ball, good, pool cue, good. Yeah. Guy with glasses on, mm. he'll bend. It's like, it's Guy Ritchie doing Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. But I also like, feel like De Palma must have loved doing this because that's what, De Palma's all about tricks and putting his camera in weird places yeah. and positioning people in strange places. So I felt like the Palmer must have got off on the fact that he could literally have his character do what he likes yeah, doing. And it is absolutely brilliant. Mm, reflection it's, in sunglasses and, you and know. And it's super tense as well. Like it is. It is a little bathroom door being cracked open just yeah. a bit. He's seeing all the angles just like the Palmer does. It's good. It ain't no joke deal gone wrong as in Scarface. The no. chainsaw scene is much more tense. Yeah, this is just silly because mm. he's, he's a superhero, but fine. Yeah. Uh, Kep says he put this uh, scene in at this stage because you have a really dynamic scene like this. It buys you time to have hours of talking. <laughs> so he says uh, it allows you to pace things as you want afterwards uh, because you've let them know, let the audience know what the movie is about and what they can expect more of later. So they'll tolerate all this gay or bullshit later. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it worked on me. I was like... There is going to be more of that, right? <laughs> yeah. there, there has to be. Yeah. And it's one of those scenes that you hear all the time where the studio apparently told him he had to be shorter. It was too long. He went away and made it longer and they thought he'd made it shorter because he set up the characters better yeah. when you arrive in the room, which is, I don't know, you hear that a lot. I don't know if I always buy that story, but uh, it certainly works here. That, yeah, ge I think that geography that was required, I guess, maybe I wasn't in it. We all want to think that studio execs are idiots who want to be creatives. And so any story that involves them seeing the footage and it's been changed opposite to what they said and them going, brilliant, yeah. you followed our notes, makes us smile. We love that, yeah. So here's an example of, um, here's an example of when you want to see Oscar winner Al Pacino one of the greatest actors on the planet, act in camera. So his cousin has had his throat slit and he's looking down at him and he can convey emotion. He's allowed to, nay, expected to sure. convey emotion. <laughs> and yet the voiceover comes in here and goes, ah, oh, Jesus, Jesus, look at you. <laughs> there ain't no friends in this shit business. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's bad, isn't it? It's but why does Al Pacino? Oh, does he not want to say, David? Listen, <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but I'm pretty good at this. So why don't we try it? We'll just try it. I, I didn't remember any of this as well. Like watching it this hilarious. time, I was quite shocked. I just had this memory of Colita's way just being brilliant, and yeah. then watching this, I was like, Oh god, he's not going to keep doing this, is he? <laughs> like, but it's just it's the lines as well. Yeah, it's agreed. Just, it's, ah, it's, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, look at you. There ain't no friends in this shit business. <laughs> Fucking hell. Ain't yep. no friends in this shit business. Vin Diesel in any Fast and the Furious movie. <sighs> anyway, uh, so um, also it, it just sort of goes, ain't no friends in this shit business. See ya. And walks out. <laughs> and you're like, in the car on the way there, yeah. I swear he was saying to his cousin, I promise to get you back yeah, to, your to your mother. Mom, yeah. We're going to go round for dinner. Yeah. So you never see any fallout from that. They're no. sort of like, well, what's the mother thinking? You yeah. know, it's just like, 
I'm moving on now. Ain't no friends in this shit business. <laughs> we find out Kleinfeld wants a bodyguard, so we know he's up to no good. That's our first clue that Kleinfeld might not be where he says he is, because ain't no friends in this shit business. So then we're off to the club that Carlito is going to be running to make his 75K um, uh, so he can go uh, and rent cars. As Chris mentioned at the start of the last episode, not to Scarface in the name of the club. Uh, Sasso. Love Sasso. Fucking brilliant. He's really good. Do you know why he's so good? Is he a real person? No, but there's something about him. So not an actor because they're not real people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, he did some comedy acting, but he was a TV host mainly and a comedian who Brian De Palma saw on TV. He was Argentinian. uh, It was an Argentine TV host uh, and he wanted him to play Sasso after watching him on this TV show. And you'll see um, that when him and Pacino, they have very interesting conversations and it's the expression on Sasso's face. He sits there while Pacino's doing his thing. Yeah. And just sort of stares at him blankly. And that's because he couldn't speak a word oh, of English. That's awesome. And so apparently Pacino was like furious when he had to work with him because he couldn't get an actor's reaction from him. Yeah. So he was Pacino was doing all his lines. And then the, Sasso, uh, uh, Jorge Porcel was the guy's name. Jorge Porcel had learnt the word. The last word that Pacino said, and that was his trigger to deliver his line. That's so so he'd sit there, blank look on his face, and then Pacino did the last line and go, hey, like 25 that. grand. Yeah. It's I, so good. I sometimes do that when you're talking on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> But Zone not out. To, yeah, not to be. That, is that Has he why finished you, talking yet? <laughs> is that why you want my last word delivered on email beforehand? <laughs> but it does work because in this the Sasso used to be Ron thing, it's brilliant because you know that Sasso's not paying attention. It looks like he's just not paying attention. Like mm. he's he's saying to him, "I'm going to help you out," and he's like, "Oh, okay." You know, I'm in this massive debt. I think the scene's really good. I think it is as well. It is. I really like him. Uh, we first meet Benny Blanco from the Bronx. Long name, character that could not exist in the UK. <laughs> I'm Benny Blanco from Pickering. <laughs> I was tired when I wrote that. Bristol now, is fine. Yeah. Bristol's fine. Benny yeah. Blanco from Bristol. Benny Blanco from Birmingham. Yeah. I think the Bronx always sounds cool because of the X. Benny Benny Blanco from Borough. Brixton. Benny Blanco from Brixton. Brixton. <laughs> That's much better. Benny Blanco from Brixton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds All great. Right. Yeah, all right. Yeah. We all figured right. it out. Yeah, I take that back. <laughs> Leguizamo. Uh, John Leguizamo, uh, he turned the role down four times uh, before he said yes. And he only said yes because Brian De Palma said he could improvise the fuck out of it. And he did. He said he just had a, he ran with it, totally went off, had a great time. And he thanks De Palma because this was the movie where he first found himself in film. Great. Mm. He's very good. Tony Montana vibes a little bit. Yeah. As well, but that's ben. why it's good. You project, you mm. know, because... Someone says, don't they? He's you in twenty years or something, or you're him twenty yeah. years ago, mm. whatever it was. And you totally, then you, you, because because Carlos Bragante is not an actual real person because it's just Al Pacino. You think, oh yeah, he means Tony Montana. It's fine. So uh, you've already done the voiceover uh, as he watches the girl dancing his, in his club. Who dances like that in a fucking club for a start? No one. Pretend Gail, pack it in. Also, I will come to it later. Who eats a roast dinner in a fucking <laughs> nightclub? A full chicken roast dinner. <laughs> It makes me feel sick. Uh, yeah, it's a power it's like, move. It's, but it's like, if you're in a nightclub and you're hungry, bar snacks, always bar snacks, yeah. if you must eat. But what you don't do is go, cook me a fucking roast and sit and there. And everyone can smell the chicken. Every, and also you can smell everyone, the sweat in the air, there's moisture, people gyrating in front of you and like, lovely roast chicken. Fucking weird move. Weird thing to do. Makes me feel sick. This is such a good point. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, he ends the VO watching the girl dance with. He literally, I wrote it down so I know it's in there. He goes, Gah. 
I miss you, Gail. <laughs> he ain't seen the voice. The, the voiceover, the narration goes, Gah, I miss you, Gail. <laughs> Gah. Like G-A-H. Gah. I miss you, Gail. <laughs> Cut to Oscar winner Al Pacino spying on the ballet class with a bill. How how long does he stand there for? He's meant to be looking all vulnerable. You're just like, who got bin on your head? Is there bin juice dropping on your head? Are you Oscar the Grouch? Are you a cartoon character? Oh dear. Has Penelope Ann Miller really? Because not to be no shade on her. I read all this stuff about they wanted an actor who could also dance. And I was like, they didn't get one then, did they? <laughs> she's in the ballet class and she does the arm extend, but she don't, you don't see any dancing. The truth is they wanted an actor who would also strip. And yeah. that's, that's genuinely, De Palma says it was really difficult to cast Gail because he, he says it was 1993, not the 70s. So it was difficult yeah. to get an actress to get her out. <laughs> he doesn't say no. Elizabeth Berkeley was available. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I got I will admit to being a bit confused at this scene uh, because yes. he sort of I, I Is this thought in your head. I thought he'd followed the girl out of the club as well. He sort of yeah, gosh, she looks Me like too. Gail. I'm yeah. going to follow her, and then he, I thought he was spying on a random girl, and I was yeah. like, you can play opera over this to try and make it less creepy. It's still creepy. Also, yeah. hasn't he just shut the club down? So it's about four in the morning that they're having a ballet. No, class. that's a good point. <laughs> I don't understand anything that's happening here. Yeah, and also there's a another bit of wonderful voiceover where he's walking through the streets of NY on his way to do a bit of ballet spying. Mm. And the voiceover is, when you get out of jail, everyone's got a different face from what you remember. Five years. I know. You've been away five years. It's not, I mean, I don't want to go to prison, but he's like, everything is different. It's like, but it's just five years ago. Largely the same. <laughs> Time moves different in prison. Literally, everyone's got different faces. We might as well cover this now because Gail, the last time she saw him, it was five years ago. So how old was she five years ago? 15? Uh, no, she's 21. Isn't she 21 in this? I don't so, know. So yeah, she was, uh, well, yes, young. It's bad. Uh, it is. Uh, and we'll continue with uh, the, the theme of um, age and relationships <laughs> in cinema after this break. <laughs> One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So, uh, it turns out it is Gail, not a stranger, which makes it okay. Fine. Um, and they go for a coffee and they have a chat and she's like, you seem different. And he's like, he Dad. is different. <laughs> <laughs> I did think for a bit, I knew it wouldn't be because I know that the vanity of Hollywood and Al Pacino, which is why I love him, but obviously you're going to have sex with her. But because their reconnection isn't instantly sexual, mm. she's like, Charlie. And he's like, hey, Gail. And then I thought we could be. <laughs> oh, girl. <laughs> good. She, this good. That wasn't bad, was it? Thank it was you. all right. It was all right, wasn't I it? Thank it. you. That might be my first ever impression. Hello, Kale. <laughs> Hello, Kale. <laughs> I thought they, were good, they might twist it and she could be like, you, you're the dad I never saw. That's why I call you Charlie. I don't call you dad. And I did think maybe that was going to happen. And then she, then, then it's sexual. And to be off. fair, she was 29. Yes. P.M. Miller. So right. she wasn't a kid. No. <laughs> It's fine. They do. They address it head on later when he's like, "I'm old. I'm old. I'm old," yes. and that's cool. That's fine. But because they don't address it here, oh, it's so distracting. I spent the whole boring coffee scene just being like, "You are fucking kidding me that that's your girlfriend. She's a child compared to you." But it's Hollywood, so fine. And I, I would say, in the world of gangsters, it's probably not bizarre as I know, well. But I do, and I do. I don't want to just be that person. But she doesn't like his life. She's like, oh god. When she's like, have you ever killed anyone, Charlie? Sorry, I shouldn't have asked. Wait, wait, have wait. Have you ever wait. killed anyone? What? Sorry, I shouldn't have asked. And when does she ask that? Straight after sex. That's rude. <laughs> yeah, we, it's rude. Post-coital chat. He's, yeah. he's, he's in a more vulnerable state. He's, he's just relaxed. Yeah. He's, he's just ejaculated, <laughs> to use the scientific term. So he's all like, oh, fluffy, fluffy lightness. And then she's like, right, this is my moment. Yeah. So have you killed anyone? I would be thinking oh, I'm being recorded here if that happened. <laughs> she's not meant to like that side of his life, is she? So I do understand the appeal of a powerful man. And if he happens to be older, fine. But she's like, Charlie, you're supposed to not be doing this shit anymore or whatever. So she's not that person, mm. even though she's the tart with the heart drop. I got the that. sense that she had liked it and then he went to prison for it. Oh, so I, see. I felt like she'd had a change of heart over the whole thing. Yeah, okay. But I could be wrong. No, no, I see that. Yeah, I didn't know she was 29. I guess that makes it a little better. A little mm, better. A little. A little better. A little better. Uh, there's a nice moment, though, in this conversation in the coffee shop because earlier when he says he's going into the car rental business to mm. Kleinfeld, Kleinfeld is like, <laughs> that's not cool. And here <laughs> he starts to say, he's like, you know, I'm building up enough money to get out of this and and then trails off. And I think that's intentional because he's sort of like, actually, I don't want to be uncool. And yeah, Kleinfeld's made me think girlfriend. car rental <laughs> is uncool. So mm. I'm just going to leave it. I'm going to leave it hanging there. So we're off to the Rikers Island prison barge now, uh, which is actually very exciting because I was like, I've never seen no. this before in a no, movie. No, it's cool, no. isn't it? So is it a real thing where you just do visits and stuff? It's a real prison. No, barge. I know it's a real prison, but I didn't know they had a barge. I thought, yeah, but I just didn't think. I thought you went to the full island to uh, sort of. No, well, you're going to love me. Uh, it's actually in real life known as the Vernon Sea Bain Maritime Facility under the nickname 
the boat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not really a nickname, more an observation as to what it is structurally, but never mind. Uh, it is an 800-bed jail barge used to hold inmates from medium to maximum security. Uh, it's still there now. In 2014, the prison barge was named the world's largest prison barge <laughs> by the Guinness Book of World Records. I don't know how many there are. It might be the only one. It sort of might be an empty title. <laughs> But yeah, it's a real thing. It's it's there um, to deal with overcrowding in the jails. Yeah, it's a cool location. Um, obviously, we're going to see it's Tony uh, Tony Tagliolucci, I think. Uh, he's going to try and escape. Uh, in real life, there have been a few escape attempts. My favourite, uh, from 2002, an inmate just decided to climb the razor wire fence Ooh. and um, the oh. prison guards, uh, their boots wouldn't allow them to get their feet in the holes to Ooh. climb after him. So they threw basketballs at him to try and get him to stop. Wow. <laughs> he didn't. He made it into the river but was picked up by a police launch. Right. No, he didn't get very far. So we find out Kleinfeld stole a million uh, from this mafia dude, Tony, who's now threatening to kill him if Kleinfeld doesn't help him escape, which seems to be entirely based on the fact that Kleinfeld has a boat. I think this is a very weird moment because surely a mafia dom, this big cheese in the mafia who's got a son who's going to be on the boat anyway outside the prison can find someone else with a fucking boat who isn't his Weasley lawyer. Yeah. yeah. I, I do don't know why you send the son. Yeah. I don't know why he's asking Kleinfeld more to the point. I mean, this guy's already a crook who's stolen a million dollars from him. You just It's just for his boat. It's like, you've got a boat. You can do this. Yeah. It's like, bad call, Tony. And yeah. also, is it is it on purpose that David Kleinfeld's lie is shit? So he's like, you were supposed to give this million dollars to my friend mm. and you didn't. No, I did. No, you fucking didn't. So you would tell, that's that's never going to work, is it? Your friend is going to tell you the yeah, truth. Yeah, who are you going to trust more? Yeah, I, d- I thought he'd have a better lie than that, but maybe he does it on purpose because he doesn't give a shit. Or I think maybe it could be that because he really hates, as he says later, he's such a layered character, Kleinfeld. He hates the fact that he's being bullied and pushed around by this wise yeah. guy. So maybe he's mm. kind of laughing at him by yeah. going, what are you going to do? You're in here. Yeah. Or maybe he's just coked up and like misjudges yeah. his lie. It could be any number of things. Um, but it's just weird. like Because I think this probably ties into it. When he's walking into the prison through that little fenced walkway, mm-hmm. he seems happy as Larry. It's mm. like, you're going to meet a guy you stole a million dollars from. And he's like, happy, happy, happy. So I think maybe he he has got like, he either is going to laugh at the guy for stealing a million and thinks he's going to do nothing or he is on drugs. So the DA, Narwalk, visits Kleinfeld in his office. Uh, Kleinfeld's doing coke in his office. Very tense. I mean, again, Penn is great. Every scene with Kleinfeld's great. And then we get uh, Italian, uh, sorry, Puerto Rican. What, what is Viggo Mortensen meant to Just because you can cast Viggo Mortensen as a Puerto Rican doesn't mean you should. <laughs> right. Is what I'm saying. Where is Viggo Mortensen's heritage? Good question. I'm imagining Morton's in Scandinavian. Yeah, I actually don't know. I know. I think I knew. I, th- I assume he isn't Puerto Rican. He's not at Puerto all. Rican. But he does a good job. <laughs> Vegan Mortensen is so good in everything yeah. apart from a Green Book press conference. But he is a great actor. <laughs> he's brilliant. So he's wearing a wire. Danish, uh, Danish, Danish father. Oh, that God. makes perfect sense. I've started to worry about my Scandinavian guest there. But that's good. That's good. He's wearing a wire, and he because because he says the DA uh, wants um, Carlito back in prison. A quick mention to the brilliant James Rebhorn as the DA, always good in everything. Always good as that character. Mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. In fairness, yes. 
but obviously we just saw the DA with Kleinfeld, so our suspicions are rising about Kleinfeld. Uh, there is the suggestion that Kleinfeld has sold him out, though Kalito isn't having any of it uh, when he visits Kleinfeld's apartment, which I mentioned because that view is spectacular of the 59th Street Bridge. You know, when he goes... Oh, mm. yeah. Oh, I didn't like it. It made me feel claustrophobic. It, yeah, it well, wasn't... massive windows. Yeah, it wasn't as fancy. I want You want to look out onto space. Looking out onto a bridge made me feel stressed. Okay. It's would just you, a personal preference. Would you like to live in an, an open-plan apartment? Oh, I would love that. Yeah, so would I. Yeah. Mm. Great. Uh, Laleen then uh, tells Carlita where Gail is working in a show. So Carlito pops along and she ain't belly dancing. But also, I mean, stripping. I've never been to a strip club, but I have seen a lot of films and I don't think Gail's that great a stripper (laughs) or a dancer. The weirdest scene I think I've ever seen in any film ever is Carlito and Gail are having a drink afterwards and two men come up and she's got like man dance Fan, fans? Fans, yeah, that's weird. <laughs> is They're not lechy enough. They should be leching. Yeah, in those mo- in those, in, in those environments, yeah. it, it tends to be the girls who come up to the men and go, would you like a personal dance yeah. for X amount of money? Yeah. But men don't go, hey, how you doing? We Just loved lo- it. Because they are really geeky and yeah. nervous, like super fans. Like they've been to a dance. But she, they're not dancing enough. It's such a weird, weird scene. It's a weird club because it's not sexy dancing. She's like, dude, she's like throwing some moves. Whereas the other dancers seem to be doing it in a sexy way. In she's a stripping more, way. In a stripper way. Yeah, yeah it so, feels more cabaret what she's doing. Yeah. But um, I like how progressive he feels. Like he's quite, he's initially a bit taken aback, but he's quite supportive when I was maybe expecting him to go the other way and yes. be angry. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I thought what was weird was I think... I thought she was going to be embarrassed or shamed by the fact that he'd mm. seen her doing this. And I thought it was nice that she was just like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. I which is great. Yeah. 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 Good old Kep. So uh, we get to the point where Carlito is eating his full roast chicken dinner. <laughs> um, and this is where we have the Benny Blanco from the mm. Bronx confrontation. Jenny from the block ain't happy. <laughs> it's, uh, it's really cool the way... This is shot. The lighting. Did you notice the lighting when he takes him out to the corridor just before he punches him down the stairs? Mm. He, uh, you see Benny Blanco's face, and it's completely in red yeah. from the light in the corridor. And Carlito's face is half red <gasps> and half normal, half showing dark side. he's like he's. It's the moment where he has to decide if he yeah. goes back to the he life of crime and kills Benny Blanco, or he does. You know, he's like, I don't want to go back to that world, but risks retribution. Yeah, because mm. you, you can also see it in in Benny's eyes as well. That's the moment. Mm. That's the moment he's decided I'm going to kill this guy, and that's face acting. It's eye acting. Mm. Mm. Thankfully, we didn't have to hear it. That's true. Uh, well, no, you say that. Uh, there is, there's some voice over there. No, I know it's from the streets is watching. <laughs> <laughs> the street is watching. That's, uh, that's the voiceover we get there. It's such a placeholder line. I just you just a fucking Jurassic Park. It makes me sad that that's it. <laughs> the T Rex wants to hunt. Much better. <laughs> no, no, but he goes on and on, and he, and he says, oh, "All visions based on movement." Perfect. <laughs> but I'm, I was screaming at the telly. He says, "All I want to do is get my seventy-five grand and get out." We know <laughs> that's the plot of the film. <laughs> uh, always time for a bit of slapstick, though. Uh, when Kalita says to Pachanga, uh, Pachanga's like, do we kill him? Do we kill him? And Kalita goes, no, let him go. And <laughs> Pachanga literally lets him go. Yeah. He's unconscious and he collapses <laughs> yeah. onto the bins. Yeah, Always funny. Uh, right. Uh, we are off to, and I cannot decide whether it's 
the best or worst party in the world. Oh, it's good. Oh, oh it's my good. God, it looks amazing. <laughs> we would we would have a brilliant time oh, there, the three of us. David's Coke party looks fun. It looks brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Is it? Yeah, Is I don't want though? to see someone getting a handjob on a sun lounger. I don't want to see that. Okay. Pensive, but the pensive. top of the party... Where you so you you scroll down the lawn, don't you? Come mm, yeah, down the, yeah. Lawn. the top of the party looks brilliant. Mm. Definitely. I mean, I don't know. I just think those that much coke and that many people, or everyone, all of them on coke. <laughs> I just feel you'd be going like from conversation to conversation, being monologued at, and waiting for your moment <laughs> to then monologue back, and no one would be listening. Everyone would be just shouting at and over each other. You'd be there'll be an Xbox or something in one room. You could lock yourself in there and do that as per. You'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's 1993. Yeah. It'd be a snares. <laughs> Super Mario Land. Don't come in here. <laughs> I'm fucking good at this. <laughs> I'm not sad. I'm fine. I don't need anyone. Are you okay? You're in here on your own. I'm having the best time. I'm having the best time on my own. Super Mario Land. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Kleinfeld's a stressy host though yeah Steffi stop pushing guests in the swimming pool (laughs) they've knocked over my table it's his his Oscar seed though isn't it this is he knows this is what they're going to play on the night and and it works I mean he got his nomination and Mm -hmm. he's phenomenal in this scene yeah he is asking Carlito to help him uh, not a small favour help me get a convict out of the river from a prison barge (laughs) Uh, what's a prison barge good question (laughs) it's It's known as the <laughs> you know, Carlito's misplaced sense of loyalty here. I don't know if I fully buy. Like, he's saying he owes this guy, but I mean, ultimately, Kleinfeld was getting paid. To, to be his off. lawyer, yeah. to get him off, and so it's just—I don't know—I don't—I don't really buy it. And there's no consequence, is there? Like, you maybe just climb felt. Does he threaten him? Like, if he says no, what happens? He's his honor or whatever. Fine, but maybe there could be. If you say no, maybe I can get you put back inside. Yeah, maybe. I get why he goes to a drug deal with his cousin. I don't get why he goes to to this with with this dude. Yeah. He did get his Oscar nomination, although Brian De Palma in the end wouldn't let him do any more takes. Sean Penn wanted to do about 30. They got to about 25 and Brian De Palma was like, I actually need to also shoot Al Pacino. Do you remember Al Pacino? <laughs> <this movie. laughs> yeah. Sean Penn was furious with him. It was their uh, big argument. Their one big argument on the set was that... Um, Sean Penn said, you're killing this movie oh, by not man. letting him do another I just, 20 I, times. I don't understand how directors do it. Like Directors have got huge egos as well, but to be told how to do your job by Sean Penn, I don't think that is a fun day, is it? <laughs> like I'm the director, even if you think I'm wrong, just shut up. Well, he said Penn ranted at him for the rest of the day. Okay. Ranted him for the rest of the day. Charming. He says, and then they got they shared a car back to New York from the location of this, and he ranted at him then. <laughs> De Palma gets in and goes... Oh, thank God that's over. Phone rings. Sean Penn ranting no. at him still at please, home. Please, please, please. Sean Penn's hassling me. Where's harassing Get Brando on the phone. <laughs> uh, now, before we get to the uh, boat rescue, uh, the evil boat trip from Doom, um, it's time for some weird sexy role play with Gail. Mm. Uh, it starts with a Joe Cocker. Jack Nicholson shining impression through the gap in the door. Then there's the promise of cheesecake. <laughs> then there's the naughty sexy striptease like you say weirdly set to You Are So Beautiful by Joe Cocker. You, well, I, I was laughing my head off. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. uh, then there's some violent kissing and turns out no cheesecake. You lied about the cheesecake. There was no cheesecake okay. in the end. I just don't just hear me out. She's like Basically, she said, please, please, you have to break down the door. That's annoying. It's it's fun, whatever. It's pretty sexy, but it's also annoying because now you can't lock your door and you've got to get your door fixed. But if in their old relationship, she'd ever said to him, 
You never turned up for me. You never wanted me. You never did this thing, which you can somehow equate to a show of force. I get it where she's like, you need to show me now that you've changed. And that, for some reason, means kicking the door in <laughs> or whatever. But she just likes it. She just wants him to kick a door in. She wants this old dude to kick a door in, which I totally get because it shows, you know, all the energy and all the rest of it. But I was just, I maybe it's just my age, I was just like, that is such murder to fix, like, in she the morning. She does not give a fuck about that apartment, though, because no. she, she asks him, actively asks him to kick a door in. Later on, he punches her bathroom mirror. She doesn't bat an eyelid. She She's all like, are you all right? Is your hand okay? It's like, she should be going, that's my fucking mirror. Yeah, stop I... wrecking my house. <laughs> but she doesn't give a fuck. She's like, no. oh, we're leaving, aren't we? Also, why has she got a mirror by her front door, positioned just so that if you were wearing nothing in front of that mirror, the person at the front door could see everything? <laughs> it's a spy mirror. It's, it's not like a Adam mirror. Partridge angling that mirror in the hotel room so he can watch porn from the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Kleinfeld's really going off the rails now mentions the boat trip in front of Gail like a twat uh, then talks about how he hates being bullied by the wise guys who come into his office uh, great stuff from Penn Gail and Carlito have a big argument he smashes the mirror which is how you end an argument extreme acts of violence because that stops the argument I don't I mean I think he does seem like a bit of a bad dude because um, he's belittling her pre the punch in the mirror and I don't you know in films that Punching the mirror, punching a wall is always the character saying, I wanted to hit you, but I didn't, so aren't I awesome? <laughs> um, but also, she says, you're making such a big song and dance, Charlie, about changing. And he's just distracting her and going, like, where'd you learn that turn? Like, he doesn't say turn of phrase, but he's doing that thing that... I, I, this is very tricky because I think Mark does this like where you just distract in an argument where you pick the other person up on this stupid thing they've said yeah it's great to distract. I mean what <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I didn't want to say but is it, it's a bit of a man thing to be like where'd you learn that where'd you whatever and it's like I'm, that's not what we're arguing about and now I'm going to spend 20 minutes talking about that instead of the thing that just happened I wait for Nettie to mispronounce a word oh you I... fucker <laughs> you fucker yeah and then laugh yeah I get that oh what did you say what did you say fuck off <laughs> what do you think that word means <laughs> You don't. I don't. You don't. I'm joking. I'm not. I am. What? Shut up. Let's crack on. Uh, so it's the boat trip. Kleinfeld kills Frankie and Tony because he thinks even if he rescues them, they're still going to kill him, which you could put down to coke paranoia. But actually, I think is a fair assessment of the situation. <laughs> yeah. I don't disagree with his ideas here. I mean, he hasn't really thought through the outcome, but actually, yes, they are going to kill you. You still. How much does rescuing from a river cost? Is it a million? No. Okay, you're going to kill me. <laughs> So uh, Carlito brushes off a warning that Pachanga is spying for Benny Blanco. And in case you've forgotten who Pachanga is, he appears out of focus in the back of shots, looming, <laughs> looming in the back of shots. Kleinfeld gets stabbed in the heart and lives. Interesting. And Carlito is offered a deal by the DA to testify against Kleinfeld because he won't, but he won't do it because of Carlito's way. Yeah, he's so good in that scene, though. Like, he's so frustrated where he's like, I want to help you, but I don't know these people. It's fucking awesome. Mm. It's extreme Al Pacino. So good. It is. And he's still not 100% convinced Kleinfeld would sell him out because he's a bit of an idiot. Uh <laughs> So it's time to make a, a run for it, though, with Gail, uh, because, <laughs> and I'm quoting here, the dream won't come any closer by itself. Gotta run after it now. What talking about? <laughs> Why talk to me in these cliches? I don't understand it. Uh, Morvio, when he sees this, is another bit where I just remember just starting to write down bits like, don't need it there. Don't need it there. Uh, Morvio, when the mafia assassin is waiting to kill Kleinfeld, and he's like, the voiceover goes, 
That face and that uniform don't go together. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, Al Pacino can look at him suspiciously and then walk on and you're like, mm, he doesn't think he's a cop. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's fine. But are you saying you're not sure Carlito believes that Kleinfeld's going to turn on him? I oh, he needs. That's why he goes to the hospital, I think, initially, isn't it? To check. He says, I think he says, I've just got to make sure. And I, at first I thought he wants to make sure that Kleinfeld will soon him. I think he's got, I've got to make sure that he's dead. I've got to make sure that he gets killed. I've got to make sure that... What, the, this is good. So hmm. why does he have to make sure? Because I wrote at this bit, I don't know why he takes the bullets out of the gun. It seems like a really nasty thing to do. It's like he's decided to cut Kleinfeld out of his life. He knows he's a bad egg. So he... I think he, he just decided sort of, Kleinfeld's got to die. Mm. But because, why? Because he's betrayed him. Because he's listened to the tape and he he knows what, what Kleinfeld was doing. I just... It doesn't matter, though, because he's already getting out of town. So it seems a, a very malicious act to take the bullets out of the d gun, knowing that Kleinfeld's going to die. He basically murders Kleinfeld yep. himself, which doesn't sort of fit with the character. It's like... It, I it, agree, like, but uh, I, think, I think in his mind, Kleinfeld stepped over the mark now. Okay. He stepped over the line. He, wants, he doesn't want any part of that life anymore, but he can't... He, I don't think he could ignore that. Yeah. And so he goes and ensures that he will die. It's a funny one, and I'll bring it up just because I found it jarring at the time. I was like, oh, shit, that's nasty, and you've been a nice guy throughout. Mm. And, yeah, he's done done you wrong, but it doesn't sort of – it didn't sit well with me that he did that. And I think partly it's because Kleinfeld is alive, and I think it was De Palma who said we can't have Pacino Carlito die at the end and Kleinfeld be alive, so he did have to die. Because mm. he survives in the book. Yes. All oh, right. And this was the this was the way to do it. Um Kep says him and De Palma always refer, whenever they talk about a scene that they're struggling with in a movie, they call it the hospital scene mm -hmm. uh, because this scene was apparently a nightmare to get right. Uh, Kep says he must have done 30 versions, pages and pages of dialogue to appease Penn and Pacino, who were like, this is the scene, this is the big scene yeah. for our characters. Yeah. We want it to be right. And then they finally got it, and it's the morning of their shooting, and De Palma goes... I'd like you to be on set, just in case. Oh, no, thanks. Just in case, and kept saying, all right, I'll, I'll come down. And they're on set, they get ready to film, and Pacino calls them and goes, I want to discuss the scene in my trailer. So they go to his trailer, and Pacino says, of the hospital scene, I finally worked out, I finally worked out what it is about this scene that isn't right. Carlito should not go to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> and in your okay. in your eyes, he's right, and maybe he is right. Yeah. Maybe that shouldn't have happened. But I guess what what is it? He says I, I I wanted to look in Kleinfeld's eyes to know for sure. Yeah, and so he's just getting reinforced what he believes has happened, and then he kills him essentially. Yeah, but he doesn't do it himself. He removes his bullets. Yeah, uh, knowing that the other guys out there coming in. Yeah, unless there is, I thought you were going to say when you said like he has to die, I thought there might be something that I'd missed whereby if he let Kleinfeld live or something, you know, Kleinfeld might be able to put the talk his way out of it, put the mafia onto him. Carlito's life might always be under threat wherever he goes if Kleinfeld lives, but it's not that. It's simply that he's, you know, Kleinfeld has to die. Although if the mafia man saw Carlito kill Kleinfeld, Carlito's problems might be over. Maybe. Because they would think, well, you you maybe you're in on it, maybe you weren't. We're not sure, but you did that, so it's all it's all sorted out for mm -hmm. us, kind mm -hmm. of thing. Well, we are into the final 
showdown now, the chase, uh, which I was, I was surprised by this because it doesn't come up on any of the documentaries I watch. They don't talk about it, but um, apparently it was going to be at the World Trade Center, mm. this uh, final <laughs> shootout. Um, but, um, but De Palma says, I had elaborate storyboards of this whole shootout on the escalators that were in the World Trade Center. I spent weeks and weeks photographing it, and a couple of days before we were about to shoot, they blew it up referring to the bomb there, the truck bomb in 1993. So they move it to Grand Central Station. Um, we get this big chase uh, that takes place. Uh, apparently, it took them so long to shoot. It went from winter to summer. And Pacino was... Uh, the reason I love this story, there's one bit of this story I love. Pacino was really hot and getting really bothered about this. And they had two trains, one that De Palma was on. They hired these trains and closed off some track. De Palma was on one train. Pacino was on the other. And he was getting really hot in summer in his big leather coat that he had to wear, sweating. And so they took a break and then Brian De Palma went, right, let's, let's start shooting. And he was like, where's the other train? And he had to be told, Pacino took the train back to base because he was frustrated with the whole thing. And I just like the idea of him going, drive this train. <laughs> Back to my trailer. And he took a whole train away. He didn't like, he didn't get a cab or anything. He's like, take this train back to my trailer. <laughs> That's brilliant. It's quite unprofessional. <laughs> There's quite a lot of people work on a film, Al. <laughs> you buggering off has screwed up everyone. <laughs> With the, the train as well. So good. You've taken the train? <laughs> uh, and then we get, so this chase with the mafia guys. I have a bit of a problem with these mafia guys. I think they're a bit too comedy bad guy. Yeah. I don't know whether it's their looks combined with the... He's over there, yeah. get him! It's because they go back on themselves, so they look stupid. It's a bit Keystone Cops. Yeah. It is, isn't it? Mm. It reminds me of the three gangsters from Police Academy 5, Assignment Miami Beach, and anyone who's seen that and then watched this will go, that's very true, Alex, thank you. And I just referred to myself in the third person, which I now loathe, but never mind. <laughs> uh, it's still very Three Stooges. I'm not in love with it. Um, but nevertheless, they are chasing him. Uh, it's a great sequence at the station. Uh, Bill Pankow, the editor, uh, says the trickiest job uh, was editing the escalator sequence um, to make it seem like it was a reasonable amount of time for Pacino to be on the escalators because he's on them for quite a long time. <laughs> and then he just gets And funny. he had to distract the audience with all oh, this other stuff yeah. going on. So Otherwise you don't go, you just watch going, how long <laughs> is that escalator? <laughs> but I guess that must be, uh, that could be um, a, uh, an overhang from... Um, if they were doing it at the World Trade Center, where the escalators are really, really long, mm. and they had to get around it in the edit, I don't know. Well, he had he had the long stair scene in in outside the station in Untouchables, so mm. he's almost like he's homaging himself. <laughs> <laughs> so Benny Blanco uh, kills him, uh, which is sad, but thankfully he kills Pachanga as well, well which I is think, good. I think he kills Pachanga for this is like a scripty thing, but. If Carlito has been bested by the next big thing because Pachanga's on like now swap sides to go with Benny Blanco, mm -hmm. it makes Carlito look inferior compared to Benny Blanco. It would be fun because you know this whole thing about I'm you in twenty years, you know, blah blah blah. Um, sorry, twenty years ago. But I think he then kills Pachanga because then it just looks like Carlito's done nothing wrong. Like he, Benny Blanco's just on one and he's just killing everything. And so anyone can get killed by someone like that. It wasn't that he was ever, Benny Blanco had the upper hand. Even though Carlito has admitted he can't see the angles anymore and all of that. Just that one thing at the end where Benny Blanco is like, yeah, and I'm going to kill you too because I'm fucking like that. Mm. Means he wasn't done at the last minute by someone who's got his eye on the prize in the way that he did when he was younger. I don't Do you know. know could, I mean? could, he, could he not be looking at like um, Pachanga's not to be trusted? Yeah. <laughs> Possibly, but I also... Think. 
Benny Blanco. I like the the character popping up at the end that you've forgotten about to do the thing that you know is going to happen. Oh, but you didn't like it in Layer Cake. No, I don't like that. That's bullshit. <laughs> because actually. it's because it's it's the same move. That's what that because you hadn't seen the Colliers way at that time. No. That's why I kept name checking it, the voiceover, and then the, taking your eye off the ball and the one you're not expecting coming to kill him. It's, but a, do it's you know, a direct I liked steal. It in, do you have you seen? Um, I care a lot. That it happens in that, oh, and the, I like um, it in that. The Rose, uh, yes. yeah, Rosamund Pike. Rosamund Pike. That is mm-hmm. such a good film. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that ending's good. But Benny Blanco has waited to kill. Carlito at a train station in front of I don't know five or six police officers that are there well, like it's a fun thing but it doesn't make much sense I don't think he has I think it's the fact that because Carlito is making a run for it at the last minute Pachanga is spying yeah. and as soon as Pachanga finds out he's making a run for it he lets Benny Blanco know and if Benny Blanco does want to kill him before he leaves town yeah. that is his last opportunity at the train station so it's not like he's got any other options but he had prior opportunities what I'm saying because Oh, I see what you mean. You mean the period, yeah. Yeah, all of the film Yeah, between him falling down the stairs. You mean when, uh, when Al Pacino was doing some narration? He could have just popped up in the voiceover booth. <laughs> Got ya! <laughs> yeah. The street is what... Oh, fuck! <laughs> Jesus. Doesn't he say... No, I'm, Jesus, I'm being, look at you. He doesn't say the street she's watching, does he? Because no. I'll be sick in no, my no, mouth. No, okay, fine. Um, and we get another movie of which there must be hundreds uh, of a woman crying over a man who's been shot saying the exact words please don't leave me Yeah, I can't think of how many there must have been she's it's funny earlier she's like this dream doesn't end in paradise Charlie it ends with me crying at three in the morning you're a stripper three in the morning it's not a big deal to you <laughs> but it's also the fact that her going her sort of like crying over him going please don't leave me Sort of like she's literally called to the minute almost <laughs> this exact event. She should literally go, I fucking I told, told you. So. Literally, to- I called it. <laughs> called it. What did I say? <laughs> fucking hell. I hate being right. Always right. Yeah, right. That would be brilliant. <laughs> Just walked off. Fucking yeah. said this would happen. I've gone back. <laughs> Going back to do my cabaret dance at a strip club. They don't like it, but I do. So, see you there. Well, not you. You're dead. I've got my dance fans, though, so I'm fine. <laughs> we, we've still got time for quite a few bad lines of voiceover, haven't oh, we, Alex? Oh, yes, we do. Yeah. I feel like you're going to do them. Uh, well, I'm going to do one in particular. Uh, I do, I will say, <laughs> I will say the very end of the voiceover here hits me, and I do like, and it does work. But I, what I don't love is uh, <sighs> the last of the Mohicans. Mm. Well. Maybe not the last. Gail's gonna be a good mom. New improved Carlito Brigante. I'm like, what? Last of the Mohicans. Just because you've you've figured out you can do Last of the Mohicans doesn't mean you should put it in the film. It's a good spot, but it's not useful. <laughs> it's so awful. It's not helpful. It's just the way you sort of, it's sort of self-aggrandizing yeah. as well. Last of the Mori, could you like, oh, don't mm. do that. Where's Joe Cocker uh, when you need him? And sort of, just as I did a moment ago and had to call myself out on it, referring to yourself in the third person, you improved Carlito Brigante, me. You improved me, all about me. I'm dying, but it's still about me. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Uh in the shakes now. <laughs> Last call for drinks. Bars closing down. Sun's out. A lot of information. <laughs> I get. I get what time it is. If a bar's closed, fine. Where are we going for bre- breakfast? <laughs> Where are we going for breakfast? Uh, you, uh, you know, what we're having for breakfast? I might have orange juice. No, 
Scratch that. Pancakes. I love a pancake. You improve pancakes from Carlito Brigante. This <laughs> piss poor. Now, let me read it ad verbatim. Getting the shakes now. Last call for drinks. Bar's closing down. Sun's out. Where are we going for breakfast? Don't want to go far. Rough night. Tired, baby. And then you go, at the end, tired, baby, tired. And then I bite into it. Yeah. There's a lot of preamble, but that end is like, oh. I don't know, but you haven't stopped laughing from breakfast. You miss it. That's the problem. Gonna have me some Cheerios. (laughs) Love me some Cheerios. (laughs) Uh, Kep said that him and De Palma used to joke about when they did the when they were going to be doing the reshoots after the test screenings for the ending where he lives and he pulls back to reveal a bulletproof vest. I kind of want him to live. I know he can't, but I really, it seems sad. I don't like sad endings. Um, And uh, in terms of uh, the reception for the movie, uh, De Palma actually told uh, David Kep exactly what the press would say. He said Pacino would get bad reviews because he's just won an Oscar and needs bringing down. Same for Kep because he'd just done Jurassic Park. Penn would get positive reviews because he hasn't worked for a couple of years and De Palma would be okay. They'd kick the shit out of him for Bonfire of the Vanities and Raising Cain so they'd start to welcome him back but not fully embrace him. And that is exactly the reviews for Colleen's It did way. fine. I mean, it got good reviews and it yeah, did it okay business. So yeah. I don't know if you could have expected that much more. Yeah. Um, anyone seen the prequel? No, I did because I knew that at the time I knew the lad who played who was cast as Carlito, Jay Hernandez. Yeah, because um, when I'd done that, that trip to Eastern Europe to Hostel, he was in Hostel. Is this another Fede Alvarez story? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to check? Uh, if, I text, Jay. if I texted him, I would not hear back anymore. But um, have you heard back from Fede? I, I remember this coming up in discussion though when I was out there about whether he would do it, and I think everyone was saying this seems like a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, but and it's funny his co-star. I had just done Dumb and Dumberer where he played the younger <laughs> Jeff Daniels. Just don't do these things, no. I don't think. But um, I did watch it. It's fine. It's okay. Is it's an it okay really? movie. Yeah. Right. But you've got to remember, it's based on the book. Yeah. And I hadn't, I didn't realise that at the time. It makes more sense to adapt that book of the young Carlita Brigade. It does make sense to do it. Mm-hmm. But I think people, people didn't realise it. it was based on a book. And I think also it's tough being compared to um, Pacino. Yeah. I mean, I think he's he's good. I like him. I really like him. Good actor. I mean, he's one of the better things in Suicide Squad uh, as El Diablo. So, yeah, he's good. Um, yeah, also stars uh, uh, Sean P. Diddy Coombs, if you're a fan. Okay. Hmm? Uh, and Louis Guzman is in it. Who does, I meant to ask Oh, I can't you. remember. Oh, right. I can't remember anything of it, really. All right. And that brings us to the end of uh, Carlito's Way episode. Um are you all right? Are you filling? What's happening? I'm getting the shakes someone now. someone gone for a wee? Let's, <laughs> let's go for drinks. Bar's closing down. Sun's out. Where are we going for breakfast? Um, right, yeah, done. Do the bits. Great. Uh, let's do best scene. Chris. So I'm going to change my mind now because you pointing out that they're like the Keystone Cops um, means I'm not going to pick the train stuff anymore. Mm. So thanks for that. Oh, uh, so I'm going to go for the pool hall scene because it's just <clears> fun to watch a master director at work Uh and yeah, I just thought it really delivered. Cool. Uh, Victoria? 
So uh, anything where Al Pacino is opposite another actor who's also excellent. So it would either have to be the same with, with Laleen because it's so, it's just good. It's over within like two minutes, but it is very good. Mm. Everyone is very good. Mm. But it doesn't really move the story on that much. So I will pick the hospital scene. I totally understand everything that you have both said about it. But just for a fun bit of setup and payoff and to dispatch David in a way I wasn't expecting, I liked it. And, and, and thinking about what you were saying about well, if he kills him, the mafia might forgive him. I think, I think he has got this code going on, which he keeps bringing up during the film, that he doesn't want to kill that life's behind him. So what he does is he kind of... Half and half. Half and half's it. Yeah. He gets him killed without having to kill him himself. Yeah. So I think that's what's going on there. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I, I agree with um, the pool hall scene is brilliant, but I think I'm going to pick the end. Uh, it's the moment that I remember from watching as a kid, and it's the moment where you sort of do go, despite breakfast, oh, wow, I'm feeling quite a lot of emotion now for poor Carlito, and the voiceover does work at that point uh, a bit. Uh, so, yeah, and the Escape to Paradise scene where it looks like Gail dancing on the beach on the billboard. I like it all, so it's the end for me. With oh, the De Palma trees behind the it. De Palma trees. <laughs> Very good. Very good. It gets better. It's the gift that keeps on giving, <laughs> that joke. All uh, right, then. Uh, what's your MVW, your most valuable whatever, Victoria? Uh, Al Pacino and Al Pacino's amazing hair and beard. Sorry mm. to say that. His hair is exceptional. I liked it this time. I've grown up. I've grown up now. He's, it's peak Pacino for me because we're not that far from Devil's Advocate in terms of his timeline. Mm. And so all of those emotions, um, he's mesmerising. He's not, he's not playing. I still maintain, he's, I do not know who Carlito Brigante is, apart from actually in the scene with the roast chicken. <laughs> he's, a, he's a man only, he's a roast in a nightclub. Exactly. He's famished. Character, I, I'd character, argue, character. I argue that you can tell a lot, literally everything about a person who goes, I want a roast chicken dinner. Now. <laughs> In this nightclub. Because when he does the stuff with Benny Blanco there, he's vain, he's unreasonable, he's not sticking to his own plan, so he seems like an actual character. Whereas the rest of the film, all I see is Al Pacino, that is it. I don't see... um, I don't see a character, but I don't care because he's amazing. So he's Mm. amazing in this Mm. film. Chris? I can smell the sleaze on Sean Penn in this film. I'm not his biggest fan, but I think this is his best performance potentially, so I'm going for Penn. Yeah, I mean, I I was going to pick Penelope Ann Miller, but I prefer her in The Relic, uh, which we've obviously covered on the show. So if you're any Relic fans out there, go back to that episode if you haven't listened to it already. Mm, the Relic. Because five she's, people yeah. listen to that episode. Yeah. Yeah. She's great the in that. The five best people. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Relic versus House of Wax. Uh, Sean Penn, like Chris said, for the reasons uh, Chris said, he's electrifying in this movie. I just think he is brilliant. And <laughs> I did write down exactly the same words. I'm not, I don't sort of seek out Sean Penn movies because I want to watch Sean Penn. But in this, just brilliant. Just brilliant. So finally, what would you change, Chris? Oh, well, it seems stupid saying it now, but I think there's a problem with the voiceover in this film. <laughs> uh, it, I mean, it's it's not that it's used so frequently, but it's so corny so much of it, as we've said. And also, it gets me a bit confused. Like, okay, so the idea is that this is his... The idea is that your life flashes before your eyes in the moment of death. But we get two weeks. We get like the last three weeks of this bloke's life. Like, I, I, in, I don't in detail. I mean, would your life, would you think just before you die, damn, that was a good roast chicken? Yeah. <laughs> it's the moments they pick. So for me, it just doesn't, it doesn't hold together uh, narratively to, to, to use this device here. So the one hook that David kept said got him into the script, this flashing before his eyes doesn't work for He you. said it was the only way he could make them tell the story. And I, mm. I disagree. Okay, Victoria. Uh, get rid of the fucking voiceover. You can top and tail it uh, if you must, but maybe not even that. 
make Gail at least seven to ten years older than she is <laughs> and not a shit dancer. More of David, Sean Penn, even though I feel like you about Sean Penn, that you we have you know, I always talk about how many women does have to die to make Sean Penn interested in films. <laughs> <laughs> I really need that to be the name of your first book. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. I, this is the one I don't think I ever say things like this, but I really mean it. The cinematography is so 90s. I'd never felt like we were in the 70s. I only felt like we were in the 90s. Not helped by Al Pacino's glasses, which I was convinced. I couldn't understand that the Matrix hadn't happened yet because those are the glasses and also the coat. But it's just that... That is a really good point because... I, I'd forgotten it was in the 70s yeah. until you said it. And mm. I've forgotten again that it's in the 70s. It looks nothing like the 70s. No. When you think about Dog Day Afternoon and Serpico, it should feel like that and it yeah. doesn't. And it's not. They, they do try with the costumes. They don't try really hard. Mm. And even like, you know, because New York, it, it, it just looks a bit 90s hipstery kind of thing. Like if it's mm. meant to be the actual 70s, you need to wash it out a bit more. It just looks like a proper mid 90s thriller. That's very true. It's interesting. Very true. Uh, yeah. I mean, I just... <laughs> Just a ditto, really. I lose some, but not all of the voiceover. Beginning and end would be fine. Uh, there's just too much throughout this. Uh, Kep said uh, that he wrestled for a long time with actually whether he should use voiceover in the film. The answer is always no. Mm-hmm. Well, he <laughs> he says, uh, he agrees with you. He actually says on this behind-the-scenes uh, documentary, he goes, voiceover can be overused and it can be terrible but I didn't see any way to tell this story without him. His oh, words. Okay, that's that's a weird thing to. I, I literally that's saying I can't do my job. It's, it is, it's mad. It's quite. It's very interesting. He actually says it that black and white. Like there is yeah. no way to do this. It's quite without this impressive. And I mean that in a nice way. Like if you if you can't do it, you can't do it. And you but you everybody knows you voice over your way out of a problem. Hmm. So, I mean, you say that, and that's the weird thing. I think if I think you'd forgive it more. If it was that, if the voiceover was used because it was out of a problem, but there are moments where you're like, there's, there's no problem here. Yeah, and the right. voiceover itself is the problem. Yeah. It just takes you out of the, the moment. Uh, but uh, far be it from us to tell the ninth most successful well, screenwriter exactly. of all time <laughs> yeah. uh, what hard, to do with you a gross one. of $2.3 billion dollars at the box industry. office. You have these rules, you get taught these rules and you understand the rule and you're like, that makes sense. And then there's the exception that proves the rule. Goodfellas. And that's it. But he's doing absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. So what do I know? Uh, you know a lot. Thanks. He knows a lot. You can both coexist can in this world. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's really Live kind. and let live. That's really sweet. Yeah. Uh, right then. Shall we do Scarface versus Carlito's Way? The verdict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! Genuinely intrigued here. Mm. So, good. so, good one. Who goes first? Uh, Victoria, why don't you go first? So it's weirdly close, isn't it? Because I was laughing at bits of both of them, laughing in the same way, like laughing at it, but in a nice, you know, respectful way, but I was laughing. But with when you're laughing at Scarface, you're a bit more dazzled by everything that's going on. Um, and with Carlito's way, when I was laughing, it sort of veered onto taking the piss. I know we've said it, but but Jesus, she looks like Gail is one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> She looks like Gail. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Al Pacino is super Pacino in Carlito's Way, which is almost enough to like take it over the line. But the thing is, it, Carlito's Way does take itself quite seriously and it definitely misses, whereas Scarface just doesn't give a shit at all and scores because of that. 
So even though El and and yeah, no, even not even though, but Elvira is more memorable to me than Gale, even though Sean Penn sort of balances it out the other way. And also Manny is really good in Scarface. So adding all those up, it is Scarface. But it was closer than I thought it was gonna be. Okay. Shall I go next? Yeah, go on, Alex. Uh I I agree. Very, very, very close this week. Um Scarface has some amazing moments, but as I said on Monday, it is unnecessarily long. Carlito's Way is also long, and while it lacks the visceral shocks and thrills, I think, of Scarface, uh, Carlito as a character to follow, which is why I enjoy movies, is just, I, it's the right word, empathic. It's a much more empathic experience. Um, I think Pacino is probably better in Scarface because he's terrifying. Um even now, after like 40 years of parodies and homages to that film, it's still a, just a force of nature in that film and terrifying. Um, I mean, ultimately, the rawness of Scarface is incredible uh, and its best moments are like a gut punch. But Carlito's Way is a more enjoyable movie watching experience, more emotion and more suspense at the end. Um, so I think Scarface is a bit boring. OK, I'm going Carlito's Way. Wow. Yeah, Carlito's Way, I enjoyed more. It gets my vote. Scarface, it's too long. Okay, I think Carlito... Oh, I don't know which way it's going to go. I'm pretty excited, actually. I think Carlito has a more coherent story. I think it's better acted. It's got a couple of amazing set pieces. Um, I love a good voiceover, but Carlito's is bad. And I'm going to disagree with Alex about the length here because... Carlito's way is 30 minutes shorter, but to me it feels longer than Scarface. I've got no problem with the length of Scarface. Wow. So um, 20 years ago, I'm picking Carlito's way, but not anymore. Um, I've always thought Scarface was a little silly, that Olive Stone's script is, it, it, it was a mess, but I think it's so much more dynamic. I think it's filled with rage and tension and excitement. And... The film, watching it this time, the film felt like the last 20 minutes of Goodfellas stretched over three hours, mm -hmm. which is what makes it really unique and special. And for that reason, it's my pick. Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm getting the shakes now. <laughs> Thank you for all your hard impression in this. So. <laughs> uh, it's been a pleasure. Um, wow. Okay. 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 Then. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Here we go. Here we go. No, okay. Okay, I get it. You said it was close. It is close. So don't get upset. I'm not upset. Are you going to be acting not, up in the pub? I'm not going to be acting up. I'm totally fine with the wrong movie winning this week. No, it's fine. It was very close. I am happy with this. I think. <laughs> Stop <laughs> we it. Don't care. We move on to next yeah. week. You don't have to do some explanation. I was literally just going to say. No one cares what you think anymore. You've had your moments. <laughs> I was just going to say, I think that it's been quite interesting recently that we haven't had a unanimous vote on the show for a while. Oh, Alex, you and I have voted differently since the start of the year. Have we really? Yeah. That's and at the end of last year as well, we haven't gone to the same film in about five weeks. Wow. You've changed. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about next week. Clash Bullets in Control continues with another listener pick. Victoria gave you a clue on Monday. I say Did a she? clue. <laughs> she said a series of words in a particular order that I announced as a clue and immediately oh, regretted. I'm all ears. Victoria, what is the clue? The clue is, is it a gorilla? Is it... <laughs> no, it's a lizard dinosaur. What? Do you need to hear that again? 
Pretty stuff. I mean, it's just, it's so neat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean apart from obviously lizard dinosaur? Yeah, do you we want got me to that. Tell you the films. Tell yeah, me the films. Do the films. But then do explain. Sure. The clue. Sure. So, Chris, you're watching Godzilla from 1998, which wait, is available on Netflix and Sky. Lovely stuff. Thank you. Well done. And Alex, mm. you're watching Godzilla yep. from 2014, which is available on Virgin, Amazon and Sky. That's fantastic. Yeah. I am. Um, I like to call that movie Big Lizard Dinosaur, personally. <laughs> so, the origin of the word Godzilla, mm. I think... <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. Fucking here we go. It's either one of the first conceptions of Godzilla, or the word means, all the translations that have come down over the years, it means gorilla whale. Gorilla whale. So, okay. that's Godzilla means gorilla whale, but obviously, then there's a raging debate over whether Godzilla's a fucking lizard or a sea dinosaur or whatever, but the Godzilla means gorilla whale. Okay? You don't believe me. I no. don't believe me now. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it does. I actually, do you know but I don't so, know. I don't know. I'm saying nothing. And what's so humiliating is I thought I would say, is it a gorilla? Is it a whale? And you'd be like, yep, Godzilla. Because you would know shit like that. Mm, <laughs> I know. No, no I know we, we very don't. little made up stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, I did, in fact. <laughs> I don't think you can read my mind. I just thought that was so well, because I don't know much about Godzilla. And so I saw that fact. I was like, oh, that's a cool fact. But everyone knows that, mm. especially you two. Well, then it's a good clue. Yeah. So I'm going to shut up now. Is that an apology? Wow. If it's true, it's a fantastic <laughs> if clue. It's, if it's true. If it's true. <laughs> uh, but no, nevertheless, I'm going to go with Chris. Let's say it is true. Fucking great. Yeah, nice one, Vic. Brilliant. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Fantastic. So uh, it is the case. We are doing Godzilla from 1998 versus Godzilla from 2014. Yes. yes, 2014. Those are your movies. That is your homework for the weekend. If you haven't already, please subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ClashPod. Back next week on Monday, talking Roland Emmerich's Godzilla. Have a great weekend. This was a Stack production and part of the Acast Creative Network. 